Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And let me tell you guys, this episode had us completely floored. If you think you know what slave food really is, you may want to rethink that as you listen to this episode. Yes. So today we have with us Dr. Columbus Batiste, who is the Chief of Cardiology at Kaiser Permanente Riverside and Moreno Valley Medical Centers in California. He completed his residency in internal medicine and fellowship in cardiovascular disease at Loma Linda University Medical Center. He is also known as the Healthy Heart Doctor, and he endorses a holistic approach to healthcare, emphasizing nutrition, stress reduction, and exercise. So Dr. Batiste, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Welcome. Hi there. It's good to be here. Nice to meet both of you. Likewise. likewise. Same here. So we're just going to jump into it and we want you to introduce yourself to our audience and let us know a little bit about the Slave Food Project that you're working on. Wow. Yeah, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am uh, what's called an interventional cardiologist. And so I always kind of characterize what that is. That's the kind of heart doctor where the goal of the heart doctor and that that does that particular subspecialty is to stop a heart attack in his throes. Mm. So when a person is coming in and they're experiencing an unstable ar- artery blockage, mm-hmm. the goal is to go in and wire that vessel and to open it up and to alleviate the pain and hopefully um, save someone's life. Mm-hmm. Now, we also perform that procedure in patients who are having ongoing chest discomfort and so forth. And so cardiology means that we kind of care for the heart. And so that's what that's what, what I do. And so when I started out, you know, what's interesting is that I'm the youngest of five kids. I was I was chatting with you all before we went on air. Mm-hmm. And I'm the youngest. So my, my eldest brother, I always like to say this more and more as I get older, is 16 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm what you I'm what you call not a mistake. But a surprise, a pleasant <laughs> surprise. Yes. So, you know, what's interesting is that my dad kind of told me growing up, he told all of us, what are you going to do when you get older? Are mm-hmm. you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be a lawyer? Or are you going to be a business person? It wasn't really an option of right. anything else. It was just like, what are you going to do from a professional standpoint through education and so forth? So I gravitated first. I wanted to be like any good native Southern California. I grew up mm-hmm. in Compton, California, right? Okay. So after all, I wanted to be a Lakers team doctor. That's what I really <laughs> wanted to be. Nice. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to take care of Magic Johnson and, and all the Showtime era Lakers and everything. That's, that's before you guys hear, but they were the epitome of basketball back then. And um, I quickly changed. Second year of, of college, I had the opportunity to go out to the University of Virginia and I met this African-American cardiologist out there Mm. and just the way in which she described the heart, the way in which she took care of the patients, it was nothing even glorious. She wasn't doing any fancy procedures, but just the basic bread and butter. I fell in love with the heart. Mm. I fell in love with the heart. And from that moment on, when I graduated from from college, I said, I wrote my yearbook that my goal was to become the chief of cardiology. And wow. at, UCL, at UCLA was my goal. I, I, fall, I fell short of UCLA, but I became the chief of cardiology, have been for the past 12 years um, at my local medical center. So it was quite a blessing, quite an honor to, to kind of have the privilege to take care of people's hearts. Nice. But, you know, in that whole process, mm-hmm. 
what I realized is that I was doing a disservice to people. Mm-hmm. That they were coming through, and I realized that at a certain point, it, it really struck me, it hit me. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. I bring it up in many conversations I have because I just passed the anniversary. And my dad passed away uh, August 12th mm-hmm. of, of 2010. And such an interesting, traumatic kind of event that was there as, a, as the ill effects of diabetes. Right? And we know diabetes is a lifestyle-mediated disease. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a disease that doesn't have to exist very similarly to many forms of heart disease, many forms of stroke, mm-hmm. and, and nearly 80% of chronic disease is preventable, right? Exactly. We know 40, 40% of cancers are preventable through lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, my dad succumbed to that. And here's the crazy part, right? I mean, anyone on the outside looking at my dad, they say, mm-hmm. oh man, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's doing better than I am. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, nah, he's, he's, you know, he, yeah, he's, he's moderate. He's right. temporary. He didn't, he didn't drink. He didn't smoke. You know, he liked his desserts. He had sparing amounts of, of animal products, but he had them. You know, mm-hmm. he loved his sodas, loved his chips. But everyone on average would say he was doing pretty good. And so I never forget this, is that after he passed, and obviously being over overwhelmed with grief and sorrow and so forth, and after coming out the haze and just really, I stumbled on a book. I stumbled on a book by a giant in the field, Cobble Esselstyn who wrote mm-hmm. the book, Prevent, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. And I remember it like it was yesterday, looking and reading over a chapter that said, moderation kills. Really? Moderation, moderation kills. And, and, I, and I remember in that moment, as I started kind of contemplating and putting together the pieces back of my life and, and the thoughts as it pertained to like my dad, and I realized it's the fact that in a very similar fashion, Mm-hmm. I prescribe medications on a daily basis to patients. Mm-hmm. And I'll have a patient come back with a very small dose of medication and they have horrible symptoms, side effects. Oh, they're intolerant of it. They couldn't stand it. Doc, change the meds. I'll, I'll have another patient and I have to go to the max dose and add a second and third medication mm. to get the desired effect. And they have no side effects. Mm. And it resonated in me in that moment that we don't know how our bodies are going to respond to the deleterious foods that we eat. Right. right. We don't know if that moderate amount for me is going to be detrimental for you. Right. We don't know what the exact precise amount is of this highly processed refined foods, these animal mm. products filled with toxins and, and fats and so forth that can lead to ill effects, how it's going to impact us. And, and that was the springboard. Really. Mm-hmm. That was the turnaround moment that really triggered me to begin the process of searching and researching and looking. And this is the days before we had podcasts like yours. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the day, days before we had some of the websites that full of information, all the plethora of documentaries that are readily available. And so it was one of these things, I just started kind of being a groupie. I started kind of mm-hmm. then looking at information, researching it, pulling the articles, getting a sense about things. Everything kept pointing back to one central theme. There's mm-hmm. a lot of confusion in nutrition, but mm-hmm. the one central theme that you can't get away from is the power of fruits, right. vegetables, mm-hmm. whole grains, right. nuts, legumes, and nuts and seeds. You can't get away from those basic tenets that were there. And so that's what really started my journey along the, the lines of this whole plant-based nutrition. Right. And mm-hmm. so as I started delivering, and I know, uh, you know, as I started delivering this message and I was afraid to, you know, because in case folks out there don't know, I'm African-American. <laughs> <laughs> I 
there's not a, a lot of African-American cardiologists out there. Right. There's even less African-American interventional cardiologists. And I didn't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be seen as a quack. I didn't want to be seen as, as someone who was doing something different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't know if I was going to have my dietitian colleagues come out there and start, start crucifying me. Right. What are you talk what are you talking about? That's right? the truth. Not, we feel that not, all the time. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah. So I was nervous. Wow. I was I was scared. You know, I'm not even gonna lie. And finally it came to a point and it's just like I felt as if what I had learned, if I had known that before, I could have possibly impacted my dad's life. Right. Mm-hmm. If I had pushed him and pressured him and where he might still be here. Right. Mm-hmm. And that same year that my dad died, my wife's dad died. Wow. Um, kidney wow. failure from high blood pressure. So all these chronic disease impacting the community of people who look like me. Mm-hmm. And so I came out of it and I said, you know what? I'm just going to start doing it uh, for my dad's memory, for my father-in-law's memory. And the first three people who I spoke to, I didn't even have any elevator speech down. I didn't have an elevator pitch down. It mm-hmm. was raw. It was crude. It was just like, all heart. Uh-huh. Well, I spoke to them, just giving them some books and encouraging them. And they made huge transformations. These three people first started up, Angela went away. All the stuff I had read about, I saw manifested. Right. And I just got excited so much. So even a colleague was like, oh, Columbus, man, maybe there's something to this, this stuff you're kind of talking about. Nice. You know, and mm-hmm. he, he had been practiced for 30 years. And so that's what really kind of was a springboard to me, really getting into this, extending and developing lectures to the hospital and then in the community and then cooking classes, et cetera, all amidst my, my normal practice and, and administrative roles that I've had over the years. But what I realized in the sequence is the fact that although the message is powerful, although the message is applicable to everyone, it's the same as a superhero movie. I don't know if you guys watch movies. And I so, sure do. Yeah. Sure do. Yeah. So my my who's your favorite superhero? Superman. T'Challa. All right now, Black Panther. Wakanda. <laughs> but that's new. That's new. That's a new not, superhero no, for not us. Not in the comic books. Not in the comic well, books. I was Marvel true. Comics that's way true. back when. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so so the 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 point the 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 point is is the fact that every superhero movie you have a good guy. Right. And you have a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You have a conflict and you may have a love interest. Mm-hmm. In the end, the good guy typically wins or there's a sequel and they win in the, in the sequel. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But right. each story, each storyline is crafted according to an audience that somehow is going to resonate, that they're going to find themselves. They're going to relate to that superhero. There's something that attracts them to it. And so what has become a passion of mine is finding that superhero story and plant-based nutrition mm-hmm. that resonates with different communities, mm-hmm. that resonates inside of the Hispanic and Latino community, that resonates inside those of African descent, that resonates inside those of Pan-Asian descent, of those mm-hmm. of South Asian descent. Not that the information is completely different or the storyline, the basic premise mm-hmm. is different, but that it's wrapped in, its, it's wrapped in the package that's more receptive for them. Right. With the music, with the feel, with things that they recognize. And that was really a desire of mine to really do that early on because I recognized that very, very early on that people didn't want to read. They yeah. did not want to, to sit there for a long time and they want something that would be entertaining to them mm-hmm. in education at the same point. And that was really the birthplace of Slave Food. 
It didn't start off as slave food. Mm-hmm. It started mm-hmm. off as this idea that then I came together with a former college uh, friend who's a physician and also has his doctorate in public health, Eric Walsh. He now mm-hmm. resides in Connecticut. And because of his public health background, he brought in an area I was constantly speaking on what I characterize as nutritional stress. Mm-hmm. Nutritional stress, mm-hmm. that the food that we eat triggers a stress cascade inside of our bodies. And I, mm-hmm. I began to outline that not only from a sense of cortisol, but in a sense on a, on a cellular basis of how it destroys us and so forth. And, and Eric, when he heard that, he brought in the, the stress and its impact on health that mm-hmm. I was not readily uh, aware of in the fact that how we perceive our environment, it can distinctly impact our health outcomes our propensity towards chronic disease and variables like that. And then he brought in another interesting concept that we began to kind of discuss and the role of discrimination. Mm. Now, of course, it's easy as African-Americans to focus on the role of racial discrimination. Right. That also can be gender bias. It also Mm -hmm. can be sexual orientation bias Mm -hmm. and all these variables that play a role in how just by perceiving it, you increase the likelihood of developing diabetes, of carotid artery stenosis, of coronary calcification, of cancer, of all these things that are there on top of it, shortened telomeres, Mm -hmm. those special special components that cap off your, to simplify it, cap off your your genetic code. Mm -hmm. And the shorter those telomeres get, like the the ends of your shoelaces, Mm -hmm. right? When they dissipate, those shoelaces are no good for kind of threading your, your tennis shoes, right? right. Those, those Jordans, those bronze, or whatever shoes you got in the closet, you're not going to be able to thread it if, those, if that cap is broken, right? So mm-hmm. same thing happens with your cells. It unravels, and it's a predictor of cellular death. Mm-hmm. So we speak about how the role is of, of racial discrimination in that too as well, and walk folks through a series, so in this, we walk, we walk, we guide you through the role of stress on disease for all of Americans. And we talk about how as Americans, we're dying sicker and sooner, we're living sicker and dying sooner. Mm-hmm. But amongst, mm-hmm. because we understand that, right? America right. compared to other industrialized countries, we're doing miserably as right. health, True. right? Despite all of our knowledge and technology. But amidst that, African-Americans are dying sicker and sooner amongst all of those. Right. Nothing has shown that more than 2020 with COVID crises, mm-hmm. outlining that distinctly. And so that's really where we walk you through first with the these, these statistics that there isn't a problem, the role and impact of stress and discrimination. We walk you through how folks turn to food quickly when they're stressed mm-hmm. in their environment and how they tend to do it based off of what they believe is their culture. And their culture, unfortunately, has been falsely shaped by environments that they live in called food deserts and food swamps. Mm -hmm. And now brand brand recognition is created from the time someone's in kindergarten and the food inside the school system has the fast food companies that are there. It has the vending machines that have all the particular items that are there creating this brand recognition that's then layered on by advertisement Mm -hmm. and then layers into the memory and the emotions that now as parents, we may sit there and say, oh, you've done well today. Let me take mm-hmm, you out for a mm-hmm, treat. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're hurting today. Let me get you something special. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you know, and so at every turn, we now wrap these items in the emotional weave of life. Mm-hmm. That it's hard to unravel it. So every time we feel a particular way, we either need to be rewarded or comforted. We turn to these foods 
that have been processed and chemically uh, uh, formed, not for our healthful benefit, but right. for our demise and for business. The business mm-hmm. of business is business. And so it's so we, sh- we walk you through there and then we walk through how these foods, this addictive component, leads to disease. It's been mm-hmm. weaponized through the sugar and the salt and the fat mm-hmm. that's there and, and the role that it plays in your body. And that our greatest enemy, although I am a staunch whole food plant-based advocate for towards mm-hmm. overall state of health, be, I'm, and every time I speak, I'm very clear. There is one enemy. One enemy and one enemy alone, and that is the standard American diet, right? Mm. I don't care how you craft it. So you, so I tell folks and preach to the vegans, the non-vegans, the mm. vegetarians, the gluten-free, whomever you are, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Knock them off the high horse, and I don't care because oftentimes we eat standard American diet vegan style, yeah. standard American diet vegetarian style, standard right. American diet gluten-free style, and we think that we're somehow doing well, and we're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so drawing folks and giving them a sense of understanding of the the fact of the impact of this choice that then leads to disease and Mm -hmm. it leads to this plethora. And this disease means loss of billions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Nationally, Mm -hmm. but that we can break these chains of disease and that there's hope. And that when we begin the process of understanding that there is power at the tip of our fork, Mm-hmm. That there's power in our choices right. and that get, guess what? The business of business is business. Mm-hmm. And guess what the businesses will do if, if we demand something else, change. they're going to shift. They're going yeah. to change, right? They're going to shift their deliverables when we demand and insist that we deserve better, exactly. that we have to be better. And that there, that this idea of social justice cannot exist without looking at food justice, without mm-hmm. looking at health justice, that why is it based on my zip code, I'm more inclined to die? Right. Why is it based upon the, the color of my skin and the impact socially that I'm going to be more likely to be subject mm-hmm. to dying because of the impact of discrimination and, and, and social injustices? And so we have to empower folks and resonate and understand the fact that we have to change that into a challenge response from a stress response. The mm-hmm. challenge response is how can we rise above, mm. go high, go in the words of Michelle Obama, go high when they when go, they go when low. They go low. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have to do. And that low can be from anyone. It's not just discrimination. It's the food choices that are delivered to us, mm-hmm. right? When we go places and everything else. And we have to, as a community, bond together and really see that if we want to fight for change, we have to feed the strength to fight. Right. If we don't if we don't feed to deliver us strength to fight, we never will. We never ever will. And so that's what slave food is about. And so we're hopeful to not hopeful. We're looking forward to this becoming a, a docu-series. Right. Mm-hmm. Not that just not just a not just a lecture series because the information is so powerful. The information is so plentiful. It's mm-hmm. too much to deliver in an hour's time. It's too much to deliver in the two hour time. That's mm-hmm. there. And so to do it well, it has to be done from a standpoint of education, musically, that it can mm. layer in the knowledge and the information in a series, not even compressed into 90 minutes, but a series that's right. there. And so that that's I'm shooting for the stars, shooting for the moon, because I believe that this is is so needed that lives can change. Because once again, it's not good enough to say I'm going to get off of meat. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I turn to products that are fried. Right. 
processed vegan foods. Processed vegan breaded, vegan cheeses, and we wonder, well, how come I'm not getting? How come I'm not losing right. weight? Right. Why is my Why is my diabetes still bad? Uh-huh. Why, is my pre- right. why is my pressure up? Right. Mm. And so there has to be a, a change that we have to go back to the basics and create blue zones that extend beyond wealthy communities. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to create blue zones in communities that are most desperate. You know, I. I I, I put a lot of pressure on teachers and I always kind of will joke and say, who cares about a teacher that helps a, a B student turn to an A student? I care more mm. about the teacher that takes a D student up to a C <laughs> or, or, or a F up to a C, a D to a B is what right. is more powerful to me. So when these initiatives come in, it's more powerful if they come to my home area of Compton, California, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Don't, go, don't go to Huntington Beach or to right. Nothing, You know, that's fine that they need it. But, you know, here's the thing. I remember as a kid, and I share this a lot of times and and when I give the talks, and I remember going with my dad and I used to kind of, you know, whatever, I would like to hang out with my dad. There weren't so many options. I didn't have PlayStation and a cell phone and a thousand one cable stations out there. So I didn't have options. The options were- We didn't need that. Yeah, you (laughs) want to get out the house, you go with your parents and get Uh out the house, right? So I remember going to the grocery store and it would be about 20 to 25 mile drive. Mm. And we would go to a grocery store. I didn't pay attention to it as a kid. I just enjoyed looking at the lights and we load up. I remember walking in the grocery store. It was bright. The doors would open up. You see the fruit beautifully stacked up. It was hard apples. Everything looked great and pretty organized. We never went grocery shopping in our neighborhood. Mm. Why was that? Because we lived in the food desert. We lived in the food swamp. That was there with excessive fast food uh, areas that were there. And so you fast forward, I spent the weekend in La, in La Jolla down in, in, in Southern California, right? Mm-hmm. San, that's an area of San Diego. It's a fairly affluent area, gorgeous on the beach, on the coast and so forth. I remember looking, I was like, I need to go run to the grocery store and get some waters. There was a Whole Foods, <laughs> mm-hmm. another, another upscale grocery store called Gelson's, Trader Joe's, Sprouts wow. and the bonds within the 1.5 mile radius. Radius, I'm sure. <laughs> 1.5 mile radius. And I couldn't find name one of those stores growing up, right? Mm. Or close to it when I was a kid. And I would be willing to bet even still right now, it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to a bodega or a convenience right. store. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. But teaching folks not to, to get down on the wallows of what you don't have, mm. but saying, how can I make lemonade out of lemons, right? right? How, how can I go to Walmart and how can I have a no cooking cooking class, which is something I put on nice. in there, right? I like a no mm. cooking cooking class. My dietitian was like, man, I'm not, we're not doing a no cooking cooking class. I'm like, we're doing a no cooking cooking class. We are not doing a no cooking cooking class. We're having a debate back and forth. And, and so we were having another session. I said, okay, we're going to stop. I, we're going to take a vote. I said, how many of you guys are about 40 people there in the, in the class? Mm-hmm. I said, how many of you guys want us to do a no cooking cooking class? The hands rose up. It was like a wave at a, at a, a stadium. Uh-huh. Everyone's hands went up and they were like, we'd love that. I turned at her and I just looked at her. Like, okay, <laughs> okay. People don't take time to cook. Right. No. The pressure of life. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is so important is how to put food together in preparation. 
Mm-hmm. Use the bowl method. Get your get mm-hmm. your grains, get your beans. I don't even care if it's right. canned. Just get no salt, low salt, right. whatever. Uh-huh. Just not just just not pork and beans or barbecue beans. <laughs> <laughs> get some frozen vegetables without the sauces on it. You know, throw in there like a little some seasoning or whatever else, and boom, you have a meal that you wrap in burrito shell. You can put into a bowl. You can flip it and use it with a potato. You can flip it and put it with some a healthier version of a noodle that's there, make it Italian mm-hmm. or make it Asian. And right. so there's a lot of options of saying, let's simplify the approach. Let's not make it so complex of chopping and buying all these different things. Right. Like, what is that? Right? Make it simple. Things you can get from Walmart, you can get from Target, you can get from any variety store that's mm-hmm. out there, right? That has it available uh, for you. And so I think that's really my angle. That's really my goal um, in terms of educating folks and letting them know that it is possible, it is tangible, that you don't have to live in a wealthy neighborhood to be healthy, right? right. Because your your health is your greatest wealth. You know, I, I'm thinking that there's somebody out there who's probably asking, why is he calling this the Slave Food Project? Can you go into that a little bit? Because I dissected your YouTube page and your website and I watched. So I kind of a little bit know the answer, but I want the audience to hear from you. Why slave food? So slave food is is a powerful term. It's a controversial term. So number one, mm-hmm. it grabs your attention. Right? Mm-hmm. It does. And so, okay, listen, truth be told, I'm an honest guy. I don't, I don't even like play around like that. And so when I first, when it was first brought up and we were having like a group, session brainstorming. I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. As I thought about it and pondered for a moment, it was like, okay, yes, there's a historical component that mm-hmm. when you, when the, during the slave era, which no one likes to think about or talk about, which right. is interesting in right. comparison to Germany, right? In comparison uh-huh. to Germany, you never want to forget the atrocities right. that Facts. were committed. Of the Holocaust. Exactly. That's right? true. You, know, That's you true. don't want it. It's, it's blatant. It's there for everyone to remember. So we mm-hmm. don't go back to it again. Right. right. And so that it's interesting, our culture of being dismissive of that time period. But nevertheless, that's a separate issue. Mm-hmm. So the slave food era, we know that. Let's start back a little further. That in Africa, we know that it's a plant predominant uh, society. Whether right. or not Whether or not it's root tubers, whether or not it's rice, whether or not mm. whatever it is as the main crops and so forth for eating. And there's more of the, the meats for flavor and so forth when they were eaten uh, there at all. Now, once being uh, 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 here, now I don't want anyone to be offended, but once we got here to the States, mm-hmm. we were given the, the cast offs from the table. Mm-hmm. So I remember as a kid, we had a lot of dogs and everything. And this is a different era than what it is now where you put your dogs in your purse and you have insurance. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I, 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 love my, I love the dogs a lot. I played with them a lot. But we would literally scrape off the food uh-huh. left over off of the off of the uh, the plate. Right. If the food was questionable, if it's slightly mildewed or not, it would be scraped off. Right. At that at that point in time. Well, imagine that's how we were fed mm-hmm. during the slave era. Right. We were given the refuse, the parts of the carcass of the animal that mm. no one wanted to touch. Mm-hmm. That was slave food. The part that no one wanted. The part that was just given enough to you. That we actually, and so what's interesting is as you move forward in time, we focused on that, our mm-hmm. refinement of it. The fact mm-hmm. that we made a cuisine, a culture, and built it up for chitlins and all these various things, ham mm-hmm. hocks. But we lose sight when, we, when we're, we're reflecting on it, the fact that the slaves actually grew gardens. Mm. They used resiliency 
after mm-hmm. working hard, they work till their own land to grow gardens and various things like that to supplement right. the dandelions and the variables that were there. So instead of us accentuating these aspects mm-hmm. of the slave that they they that they 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 did to embody to 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 empower themselves and to make so sure they were healthy, we focus on the other aspect of the carcass. Right. right. Titterlings and yes, yes, yes. So you move fast forward, and this is slave food, right? So now modern times, we're now crafted and we're given food that many inside the food industry don't eat. The CEOs of these companies, right? Though the food engineers that mm. see that the chemicals that are being used to make the shelf life extend, mm-hmm. that are making the flavor, the and 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 everything else, that they know it's harmful, mm-hmm. right? That there's a degree of harm that's there. That that's why it's not used the same product. It's formulated differently in different countries because there's bans on certain product on certain chemicals there. That Correct. Are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the slave food now we now live in environments in which we're enslaved to our environment, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe we we partake of public transportation and you have limitations in mm-hmm. the number of bags of groceries you can carry. Mm-hmm. That you're enslaved to your environment because you live in a food desert where there's few limited access to fresh fruits and vegetables and variables that are there. You live in an environment where there's food swamps and excessive amounts of highly processed refined foods that are there. Mm-hmm. Do you really have a choice mm-hmm. when it's government subsidized and now our government dollars go into the dairy checkoff that can lower the price that can form to advertise and also help shape and craft new products mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. high in cheese, high in dairy and things of that nature that are somehow centered inside of our neighborhoods? Wow. Do I really have a choice when advertisements target individuals of black and brown complexion mm-hmm. that are, are younger, are adolescents? And study after study has confirmed this. This isn't me making it up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's truth that's there. So do, do you really have a choice if mm-hmm. this is the environment that you grew up in? Or are you enslaved to it? Mm-hmm. Are you enslaved to it? Now, coming out of that, and this food that's made addictive. That or oh yeah, the industry doesn't like the word addictive, but the bliss point is achieved. Mm-hmm. This, this desire, and I think inside Michael Moss's book, Salt, Sugar, and Fat, he even mm-hmm. describes the, from the uh, the cola industry where they describe them as heavy users. Wow, heavy, heavy users, right? And so when you look at this, do people really have a choice if the food is intentionally that where they bring in people of different ages? different genders, different ethnicities to find out what is the precise level of sugar, of salt Hmm. that will keep you coming back for more. Have you ever noticed that in certain neighborhoods you have different food components that are Mm. on display? You'll have different products that are on display because it's targeted to to recognize this is going to sell faster. Have you Mm -hmm. ever noticed about product placement that when you're waiting in that line, what's Right. right there? In that line. All that candy. All that candy and chips. I I never forget starting off on this journey. And I I remember I was getting going. I've always been vegetarian, but I was a junk food vegetarian, right? Right, So when I I began to transition around 12 years ago, actually, um, uh, towards being whole food plant-based, and I I won't say I'm perfect, but I'm like, every day I'm getting better than I was. I'm probably like 99%. But (laughs) I had all this good stuff on there last minute. I grabbed the candy, my favorite one. I'm not going to call out the name. Grabbed it, mm-hmm. put it on the conveyor belt, looked down and kept, went to go to check out. And the clerk, thinking he's being all friendly. Oh, man, I thought you were like the 
the healthiest person I've uh, ever seen. He, uh, called you out. <laughs> until I saw these here. He called you out. He called you out. He called me out back and forth. He said, you're just like the rest of us. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You see, see, and and so that's what the food industry does. At the end of your day, you deserve it. That you want that high. That you want the sense. Because in a sense, this short-term gain, this short-term pleasure leads to long-term pain. We ignore the long-term pain and we focus on the short-term. Right. Right. The short term, I'm going to get a burst of energy and the Mm -hmm. short term is going to make me feel better. And the short term, it's going to satisfy me, realizing that I never quite get that same level of satisfaction as I first did when I first ate it. And I'm Mm -hmm. chasing something that I'm Mm -hmm. never going to achieve. So there's lots of reasons why it's entitled slave food. And those mm-hmm. are really the, it's a double entendre. It means much more than just a historical commentary. Exactly. You know, just from listening to you speak and, you know, realizing the systemicness of not only slave food, but the slave food mentality. Like when that cashier said, you're just like one of us. Like, you know, we think that we have overcome slavery, but the foods that we're eating enslaves us again. So I wanted to ask you, how can we overcome that if, you know, we're riding the transportation system and there's a bag limit or if the zip code that we're living in doesn't have like the Whole Foods and the Trader Joe's and the fruits and vegetables, which are on display? How what are what are some tips that you could give our audience? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And there is no, what I can tell you in my estimation is that there is no magic answer. There's not right. a magic prescription. Mm-hmm. It's very individual dependent. But some of the general things that I'll mention too as well is, is to focus on what you are eating for your health. Mm-hmm. That's a good start. So, you know, we all understand that there's a model called the stages of change mm-hmm. where you go from pre-contemplative to contemplative okay. to preparation right. and mm-hmm. so forth. And so it depends on where a person is at on that stages of change. And so if a person has no idea that there's a problem, they're not thinking about it at all. Or a person is starting to kind of make a plan. They recognize that someone passed away. They realize something needs to be made. Some changes might need to be, or if they're in the process of preparing to really enact it, that will drive where I make recommendations. Mm-hmm. But, in gen- but generally speaking, if one were to just go ahead and start off by saying, I will focus on what I am eating for my health, which has mm-hmm. positive energy. Mm-hmm. which has a, has power as far as in the brain. Our mind is powerful. It is so powerful. And so I'm going to focus, I'm just going to focus simply this. I'm going to have a salad. I don't care if it's iceberg. I'm not having ranch soup. I'm not doing that. That's I'm, pretty having much. Real, I'm having a real salad. Real uh-huh. salad is what I'm having in that moment, right? And I will commit to that and I will get an old school kindergarten style rewards calendar. 30 right. days, I'm going to put in a little X every time I have a salad before mm. my meal. And my goal is I want to build a routine mm-hmm. and I don't want to miss one day. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to add to that and say, okay, I got the salad down. Let me add a fruit. A right. All right. And then I'm going to add a vegetable to my plate. And then I'm going to add a whole grain. I'm not saying you can't have whatever it is that you're having. I'm saying what you are going to choose to add to it. Mm-hmm. So for some people, this is how I will start with them. I remember telling this to one person who was asking me advice, and they're like, well, I'm not be too full to eat the stuff I want to eat. Mm-hmm. I looked at them, I said, hmm, Bingo. that's an interesting concept. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, absolutely. It's, it's small atomic changes that make 
that become powerful. And I think that what ends up happening is that you have to seek out your local resources. Those resources may be in the areas you hadn't thought about before. Once again, your Walmarts or your your Targets or whatever type of grocery like that. I've gone in places where I thought there's no chance that they're going to have anything helpful. And I went and Mm -hmm. I started, I was like, oh, they have lots of frozen stuff. Right. So truth. All right. So truth be told, I hope my my in-laws never listen to this. Right. Uh, (laughs) I want you all to get plenty of viewers. I would go out there and I was like, man, I'm going to get they're going to have all this kind of stuff out here. I'm not trying to eat all this. I'm not eating it. And Uh a couple of times I will go to the grocery store and I would buy load up on some frozen vegetables, Mm -hmm. some frozen brown rice, Mm -hmm. some canned beans, some salsa, some hummus. And I was good to go. I would scope out. I would check out with my cell phone what's around me. Mm-hmm. Wherever mm-hmm. I go, what's around me? What are the eating places around me? What are the grocery stores around me that give me a lay of the land of where mm-hmm. I can go? And so I know immediately wherever I fly, or that doesn't happen anymore. But <laughs> when I flew, when I flew pre-COVID, <laughs> I would I would always do that to really make sure I kind of know my environment. I think that's important is to plan. You plan and you plan out what you're going to to seek to seeking to accomplish becomes important in terms of your nutritional. It can't be fly by the pants. You can't just wait until you say, oh, I'm a guest and see what I'm going to eat. You mm-hmm. have to plan it out and plan it out in advance. Mm-hmm. You said something earlier um, that has stuck with me and I thought of it, but the way you said it was so simple that you said... Um, moderation is relative. It's relative to the person and how it reacts to you when you consume that moderate amount of food. Today on social media, we see this all the time. There's this new movement. You're you're going there, Joanne. (laughs) There is this movement of eat what you want. And it's among dietitians. It's among dietitians. So if you want to eat that cookie for breakfast, go ahead and do so. If you want to have... That hamburger at that fast food restaurant, go mm-hmm. go on ahead and do that. Now, Kim and I, we've had this conversation so many times. So many. My issue with that is in the black community, I find that kind of um, uh, verbiage or, or recommendations that they're making on social media to be dangerous for us. Right. Because we can't afford to have, you know, a couple of days of eating fast food, especially if we have certain conditions that are going on. So my question to you, how dangerous do you think this kind of mentality is? Well, I I think that the biggest important thing that I always ask everyone is what question are you trying to answer? Mm -hmm. What question are you trying to answer for looking at your diet to, for looking at any change or for providing a recommendation? If the answer is I want to lose weight for whatever the short-term goal is, get into uh, whatever, a reunion, of an event of some sort. If your question is, how can I be the healthiest version of myself? How can I reverse stem the progression of disease that mm. seems to be plaguing my families? Those are different questions mm. right there, right? And so that means that the plan, the action needs to be to differ. Then the next level is, well, how committed are you? How, how, do, how confident are you that you can be successful in this venture, mm. right? I'm not confident at all. Okay, well, that may imply to me you're perhaps not ready or these other options may be better. If someone is eating five burgers a day, yeah, okay, well, let's knock it down to just two. Right, right. That's, right. That's, that's progress. Right. But I'm not a big subscriber to a cheat day because who are you cheating and what are you cheating? Yourself? Are you, yeah. You're cheating yourself and you're cheating days off your life, weeks, right. years off your life 
that you don't know just how your body once again is going to respond to it. So I, I, I am opposed to, to, I would say cavalier Mm -hmm. uh, recommendations like that Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. telling the general public to go ahead and giving them license to say, if you want one, have one for the general public that turns into two or three. Exactly. It It doesn't turn into one. Just like I had a patient one time say, well, Dr. Oz said oil is good for me. He goes, yeah, I buy go to Costco. I buy a big one like this. <laughs> I said, you realize it had nothing to do with frying your foods or anything else like that with changes. The boiling point of that oil is not there. And that's you're losing whatever questionable benefits you think you're getting uh, mm-hmm. when you do that. And so people tend to go very excessive. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that that's extremely detrimental. Uh, We commonly will see patients present uh, after Thanksgiving with heart attacks. We'll see them Mm. present after Christmas with heart attacks. We'll see them after special events. It's not only the stress and anxiety, but it's Mm -hmm. also the load of food. That Mm -hmm. when you have it, studies have shown that a single burger, a single high fatty meal, Mm -hmm. it can impair the endothelium. So for Mm -hmm. those we were talking about, so this specifically, you know, for those who love Superman, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is the Superman of the of the vessels. It's right. a special lining that's like Teflon pan. Nothing sticks to it when it's intact. It's resistant, impervious to all intruders that are there, this thing called the endothelium. It lines the vessels and keeps mm-hmm. it smooth. But when it becomes damaged, when it becomes fractured, it becomes permeable. It allows all the attackers to invade the vessel and lead to thickening wow. and can actually impair it so the vessels now shrink instead of expanding. The blood can turn to sludge instead of moving briskly. Mm-hmm. And so now in that moment, after you've had this this burger, after mm-hmm. you've had this high fatty meal and you say, oh, I'm having a little heartburn. Do you have any tums? Right. Right. Is it really your stomach or, or is it really heart your heart? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the vast majority of people present had never knew that they had a heart attack. Oh my God. They never knew that they had a heart attack. We know that heart disease begins as young, the pre- precursors of it, before you're even 10 years of age. Wow. That progresses throughout life and it remains dormant. You're walking around thinking that you're healthy and really you're just a heart attack waiting to happen. Mm. Right. And, that, and so if, if one leads with that premise, you recognize quickly, there is, no, there is no prevention. There's only intervention. Intervention starts at the beginning at, with that smash cake at someone's first birthday, mm. taking away the smash cake and, and smashing some grapes together and putting it in their face, right? <laughs> that, that, you, have, you, have, you have to flip the script completely. And so we know that truly it's about that. Now, granted, I'm not perfect. And I know folks are going, going to eat cakes, but you have to just right. be mindful and have awareness. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to be aware that this type of lifestyle on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you don't know what level of impact it's going to have on you. And as you get older, you become more aware of it. When you're younger, you think you're invincible. Mm. As you get older, you recognize you're not unless you're seeing disease happen way before. Mm. Well, you know, I'm just listening here, just thinking about, you know, my parents. Joanne and I were both from the islands. I'm from Jamaica. Joanne's from Haiti. And I remember, even though, you know, coming to the United States, acculturation did not take place at the dinner table. No, My parents would feed me like, you know, the root vegetables and things of that nature. But it wasn't until I went off to college that, you know, the burgers came in place and all of the junk food. Like, you know, think about it. French fries are vegan. 
Bear is vegan. Right, right. You know, certain donuts are vegan. Right. So, you know, just listening to everything that you're saying and, you know, being mindful of, of your health is... It's something that can't be stressed enough. So, you know, we want to be cognizant of your time. So we want to know, like, how can we support the Slave Food Project? And for anyone listening, you know, how can they get involved and spread the word, yes. whether it be financially or otherwise? Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I am horrible. It's a vestige of my uh, era growing up of, of with the so- social media. But on social media, I'm, I'm Healthy Heart Doc on Instagram. And you can find me on Facebook as well. We started mm-hmm. a Facebook page called the uh, Slave Food, and on YouTube, there's a Slave Food Project. Now, in terms of formalizing things, because of my passion for the community, and it's for everyone, although this message, this particular iteration is targeted towards African Americans, that's not the, the end of it. We're right. also looking to target the Hispanic Latino community, to target the Pan-Asian, to target the South Asian too as well, and to really crafting a message that's specific to them. And so we formed a nonprofit called Healthy Heart Nation. And Mm -hmm. so Healthy Heart Nation is really the the platform, the foundation where we're looking to really kind of launch and and put together um, devotionals for those of of faith base to put together um, um, really in terms of the literature for slave food that Mm -hmm. is a mixture of public health and and the power of lifestyle um, too as well. And so there's a lot of things that we're looking to do on top of the docu-series itself. So we definitely appreciate all the support, both by letting folks know about the sites and as well as any type of uh, contribution to Slave Food, um, excuse me, to Healthy Heart Nation also is uh, greatly appreciated. So we can push this message, man. Put people like me out of business. (laughs) I shouldn't be dropping stints inside people who are half my age. I should not be. Right. I should not, I should not, this should not be the norm of people who are just coming back and forth like a revolving door. It does not have to be. And, you know, the, the loss of lives, the loss of productivity unnecessarily, prematurely because of chronic disease is really not required. Mm-hmm. And for people to say that people can't, uh, for professionals, whether dietitians or physicians to think people cannot change mm-hmm. is paramount to say people can't stop smoking. And mm-hmm. we know that that's a lie. Mm-hmm. We know it's a lie. And so we, people have to be given the choice. They have to be given encouragement and letting them know that, yes, you can. Mm-hmm, you can right. be the best version of yourself. Yes, you right. can. For some reason, I want to say amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Batiste, for coming on to our podcast and giving us so much wisdom. If I can take one thing from everything that you said to leave it to the people it's moderation is relative to you please remember that (laughs) please rate subscribe and review our podcast and we'll see you guys or talk to you guys next time bye bye everyone